And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is now officially the offseason. There are no more football games for quite some time. And that means we need to start talking to all these new coaches who are familiar faces in new places. And one guy, he's a familiar face. He's actually in a familiar place for him. Shane Beamer, the new head coach at the University of South Carolina. And, and coach, we had some, some technical issues right off the bat. I, we were, we were going to be on an, a virtual official visit, according to your, your background on your Zoom call. So uh, how, would I, how would I do a virtual official visit at the University of South Carolina? Well, you jump on like this, and, and uh, we would try and show you everything that you would see on a regular visit, just over Zoom. Uh, so we try and, you know, spotlight as much as we could. So we'd get you logged on with you and your family and and try and show you in a, in a short window everything that we have to offer academically and athletically and in in the Columbia as well and try and keep it upbeat and entertaining and, and leave you, have you leaving the visit feeling better about South Carolina than when you went on it. Now you have obviously offered visits to South Carolina before you were an assistant there before you've, you've worked at Virginia Tech, you've worked at Georgia, you've worked at Oklahoma, you've done a lot of these things, uh, recruited a lot of guys. What is it like trying to recruit someone entirely virtually like you have for the last year? Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, like anything, if somebody told me a year ago that this is how we would be doing it, I would have thought they were crazy and wondered how you're doing it. And it's tough because you certainly miss the being able to sit down with them in person and, you know, coming from a place like Oklahoma, it was really crazy because we recruited so much nationally at Oklahoma that so many of those guys that signed with Oklahoma back in December, the first time they were in Norman, Oklahoma is the day they arrived for class yeah. last month or or in uh, the summertime when they come. So it's just a different way of doing things. And, and it's been good that you can jump on these and have multiple coaches on there and, and talk to players, but it's definitely you miss – you miss being able to get a guy on campus and show them how beautiful the campus is at South Carolina. You miss having them being able or being able to just sit down with guys in your office and, and talk. So that part uh, has been tough, but we've gotten used to it. And like any any other program in college football right now, you're you're trying to find ways to be creative and, and separate yourself from your competitors uh, when it comes to these, because this is certainly the the name of the game right now. And and uh, we don't want to be just cookie cutter in exactly yeah. what we're doing. We're trying to make them when they walk off out of this visit, they say, man, that was, that was really cool and different. So here's my question, because we see a lot of first time, you know, first year head coaches, they come in and, and, and you see them on Twitter immediately. This is the greatest town in America, greatest campus in America. And you know, they're faking it because they'd never set foot on that campus before <laughs> they got that job. And then they're never leaving their office or, or leaving their house in, in this case. And, with you, you've actually been at the University of South Carolina before. You, you've coached uh, with Steve Spurrier's staff and, and some of South Carolina's most successful seasons. What is having that knowledge? And, and by the way, 
given your uh, your gleaming new facility, the ability to say you should have seen what it looked like before when when you are on these virtual visits. Yeah, no, it's huge. Um, it, it excites me because the resources that are here now compared to when I was here ten years ago. Uh, are like night and day, and, and the the leadership here on campus with our with our president, President Caslin, and Ray Tanner, our athletic director. We got great leadership at the top. It, the facility you're talking about that I'm sitting in right now. I mean, I, my my wife's on me because I'm doing this interview in my office, and she's probably mad because the the office still isn't like decorated behind me with the way it's going to be. But it's a it's a beautiful facility. It's as good as anywhere in the country. I've been all over the SEC and ACC and Big Twelve and seen different facilities, and I, I haven't found one that's better than this one. I mean, it's, to have everything right here together and to look out my office window right there and have Williams Bryce Stadium across the street, it's amazing. But you're right. I've I know the people. Uh, I know the city. I know the the, the campus, and, and when I say it's a great city to live in, I know that because I did it for four years. When when I say it's a beautiful campus, I, I know that. I mean, one of the pictures here in my office is of my daughters and I, when they were first born, we took a picture on the horseshoe right there on the middle of North Carolina's <laughs> yeah. campus. So I've been there, and I know it, and I've seen it, and it is a, a special place to us in a lot of ways, and, and I hope when people – hear me and see me talk about it, they, uh, they see the realness and the, in the genuineness that I feel about this place come out. So tell your wife that you, you have the most important thing up, although we, we got to move your camera a little bit to, to make sure people see it. It's, it's that garnet helmet. I, I see yes. the black one and I see the white one and I realize George Rogers wore a white one, yep. but that garnet helmet, that's right. The garnet helmet that Steve Tannehill and Brandon Bennett and Sterling Sharp wore that's the helmet. Chris Rumpf, that's the helmet I want to see. There's a lot of great helmet. ones. Trust me. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, I I was born about two miles from where you're sitting right now. That's awesome. That is phenomenal, actually. So I, uh, it is a great one. Some of my earliest memories were, and I've said it before, was coming down here when my dad first got the job at Virginia Tech and coming down here in the late 80s and Todd Ellis and Robert Brooks and Sterling Sharp and those guys like you're talking about were out there playing and they were wearing those helmets for sure. It definitely, uh, definitely caught my eye. It's amazing how many, from the day I got the job, how many, we got the greatest fan base in the world, but how many of them I've heard from when it's just strictly about the uniforms, what, exactly. what to wear, what not to wear. Uh, I feel like that's the most pressing, uh, pressing matter got, right now, which I love their passion. You got your fire ants people. You got your black <laughs> magic people. It's, yep. This is very important stuff. We'll be right back after these words. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who are actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. And it's time you join that number. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash CFB23. That's linkedin.com 
slash CFB and the numbers 23 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You talk about going and, and, and seeing Todd Ellis and, and being around the program in that era. So this was, this was pre-success. And, and you were there for the program's greatest era of success. And I remember going and talking to Coach Spurrier when they'd beaten Clemson five times in a row and, and they were riding really high and they were rolling and it was it was something that South Carolina had never seen before. You helped get it there. How did you guys get it to that point and, and how is it possible to get back to that point? Yeah, it was a, um, you know, first of all, from a recruiting standpoint, we did a great job of just keeping the very best players in, in South Carolina at home. And, and, and let's be real. I mean, that was a, uh, that was a pretty special time of just talent that was coming out of this state. Al- Alshon Jeffries, Davey yeah. Clowney, Marcus Lattimore. I mean, so yeah. it's, yeah, very exactly. good bunch of players. DJ Swearinger, Alshon, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, you know, uh, and not just the guys that came to South Carolina. I mean, during that same time, Robert Quinn came out of Charleston and went to North Carolina. A.J. Yeah, Green Car- came out of Somerville and went to Georgia. Yeah, Carlos you know, Dunlap went to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's so exactly. there a lot of talent in the state, yeah. No doubt. So, I mean, it was an amazing time for football in this state. But in, it's great high school football in this state. So, the one thing that we did then that we'll do, definitely do now was certainly from a recruiting standpoint, start in South Carolina. We sold those guys and – and it was easy to see that if you cut the best players at home, you have a chance to win big at South Carolina. And that's certainly what we did. You know, there was Alshon. And then the next year, Marcus Lattimore, that was his class. And Marcus saw Alshon stay in state the year before with Stefan and those guys. Mar- and then Marcus stayed in state. Then Jadavion yeah, could have been Alshon, you know, I, I, now I know you weren't involved in this part of the recruitment. This was uh, another coach at another school. But. Alshon's not pumping gas and has never professionally pumped gas, right? He's he's still making a lot of money playing football, last I heard. Just, he is making a lot of money. I saw, him, saw him here a couple of weeks ago and spent some time with him, and, and uh, he's uh, certainly not doing that, that's for sure. Um, you know, so just finding those guys, keeping them in state, but then also you got to do a great job of – it's a state where you've got Greenville and Spartanburg in the upstate. You got Columbia, you got Charleston, but there's a lot of Myrtle Beach in that area. But there's a lot of you know rural areas in South Carolina that probably mm-hmm. aren't recruited. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot of traffic, so being able to get in there and find those guys that that you know slip through the cracks. I mean, I remember just watching the uh, the Super Bowl the other night and seeing a guy like Bashad Breeland. I remember going to Bashad Breeland's basketball game when he was coming out yep. of high school in Allendale, South Carolina, that probably not a lot of people were, were recruiting from. And, and being able to project, you know, Devin Taylor, I think, is a great example, a guy that we had here before that was a, yep. you know, six foot seven uh, triple jumper, I think, in high school that you saw the athleticism and you just have to project and, and think about when you get them in your program, how you develop them. So that's the biggest thing. It's just – from a recruiting standpoint, keeping those guys at home, but then yeah. also being able to go I, out. To I, those I give you a, close to home one that you may not have thought about because you were, wouldn't have been involved in his recruitment at all. You were you were at Oklahoma, but uh, but Presley Harvin, the reigning 
Ray yeah. Guy Award winner. He went to Georgia Tech. He's from Florence. Yeah. You know, that that's a guy that, that South exactly. Carolina should be all over. Yeah, and, no question. Uh, if, if it's a guy in state, if we can keep him in state and, and we're going to err on the side of those in-state guys for sure. But then we've also got to be able to, during that time, we went into Georgia and got Connor Shaw, Jared Cook, mm-hmm. uh, yep. went up into North Carolina and got Melvin Ingram. So we've got to be able to attack those surrounding states because, you know, there's a ton of football players in those states as well. And, and uh, they all can't go to the in-state schools, and particularly with North Carolina, Virginia, D.C. There's a lot well, of. You're, you're closer states. to Charlotte than than the schools in the Triangle are. No doubt, no doubt. So I mean, that's what we're telling those guys. I mean, you hop on Interstate 77, and you're here in no time. And there's so many guys in the state of North Carolina uh, that want to play SEC football, and we're as close as it gets for them to be able to do that. Same thing with you know Virginia, Washington, D.C. Uh, you don't realize how close Columbia, South Carolina is to those places. So we're in a great recruiting base, which I'm excited about to be able to tap into all those areas. So now it's it's just a matter of turning, you know, those guys because you've got to sell a dream right now because you're coming off of a record that that isn't great. Uh, but you did that before. I mean, I, the thing is, with, when Coach Spurrier took over for Coach Holtz, it was not they'd had some success, but it was still not the best situation in the world. How did early on? you guys sell the program to get those guys, the in-state guys to say, all right, I'm going to take a chance on this instead of going somewhere else. Yeah. No, great question. Cause you're right. I mean, my, my first year at South Carolina, I remember losing our last game of the year to our in-state rival in the last second field goal that kept us out of a bowl game. Um, you know, and then I remember playing in the Outback bowl and getting hammered by Iowa early on, you know, in some of those years and, and playing in the Papa John's Bowl and losing to UConn, you know, so there were, we were building. Uh, and I think those guys just kind of saw that one. We talked to them about, you know, we're close and you can help us get over the hump uh, where we're it's such a thin line between winning and losing. And we won seven or eight this year, but you can come in there and help us get to nine, 10 and 11. And they certainly did uh, in, in those instances. And, and then I just think that being able to tell a guy that's in this area, from that's from the state of South Carolina or a surrounding area in this region that you can come here and you can accomplish all your goals on and off the field. I mean, it's a unbelievable fan base. You've been in Williams Bryce Stadium. You know what it's like in, in there on Saturdays. Uh, it's a great city to live in. It's the capital city of Columbia, but it's a college town. Everything's geared around this university. Unbelievable academics uh, from a, from an academic standpoint. Uh, so on and off the field, you come to South Carolina and you can win championships and, and be set for life. And, and it's just a, it's a great place to great place to live and great place to be. And, and you've got all the resources you need to be successful on and off the field. So you, you come in in a very different situation. We talked about the, the virtual official visit, but you come in, in a situation where, you know, first year coach is still getting used to the early signing period. And it's gotten to the point where that first signing class for a first year coach is, is pretty tough. If you want to go in and sign a bunch of high school guys, uh, you, took a different tack this year, which, I mean, a lot of people are, are doing this, but I, I was very interested in the way you attacked it because yours was a little bit different than some other folks. You went out and and you got some transfers, but they weren't all power five to power five transfers. You had some, some group of five guys who'd been really good. Uh, I, I remember we were kicking around the idea of doing a story on Jordan Strawn at, at Georgia State last year, uh, led, led the nation in sacks and uh, just a really good – came as a walk-on safety, and now he's one of the best pass rushers in the country. Uh, you, you've got a couple of guys out of out of St. Francis University, which I, I doubt a lot of people have heard of, but it's a quarterback-receiver tandem who've been together since middle school. Yeah. And I mean, how much does, does taking guys who are 
for lack of a better term, already grown men help when you're trying to jumpstart a program? A lot. And especially because you nailed it with the early signing period. I got hired, uh, what, the week after Thanksgiving. So you're about two weeks away, a little over two weeks until signing day. I think at the time we had nine or 10 guys committed at the time. And I sat there and looked at it and, I'm, and I was going to keep all those guys committed and, and thankful, thankful for them staying committed to us. I was going to come in and just start dropping guys left and right. I mean, I was going to do the right thing. So we signed those guys. And I certainly could have gone out during those two weeks and and put together 10 more signees from a high school class and driven up the rankings. But at that point, I mean, let's be real. I didn't have a great idea about the personnel on our right. roster. You you, you uh, weren't working at, at, at Florida or Kentucky, so there wasn't going to be a ton of overlap versus yeah. what you were working or looking at at Oklahoma, right? Exactly. There were some guys here, I mean, at Oklahoma and Georgia that I was involved with. Rick Sandage, our defensive lineman, Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, uh, mm-hmm. Boogie Huntley, Jaheim Bell. I mean, there's a handful of guys that are on the roster that we were recruiting at those other schools. But for the most part, I didn't really know this roster. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Where do we need to improve depth? Uh, at that point, one really sure who was going in the portal, who wasn't going in the portal, uh, at that point, a couple of guys had already pretty much declared for the NFL draft that I knew were gone. So there was a lot of unknowns on my end in regards to the roster. So I said, okay, let's sign these guys that are committed to us in December. And then going forward, we've got a lot of flexibility in regards to scholarships with what we do. For me to, one, get a staff in here that can recruit to their system with what we were going to do. Because at that time, I didn't have an offensive or deep, or I didn't have a defensive coordinator hired. Right. And ended up having a different offensive coordinator in the end. So in order to fit the systems and make sure we get the right personnel and to fit those systems, I just felt the best thing was to kind of just take a deep breath, wait, and, and see where things go. And it gave us pretty much two months to attack the signing class. And we went right to work on it. But you're right. To be able to find transfers like that, you mentioned Jordan Strong. I mean, unbelievable story. And the guy got here a month ago, and he's already put on 17 pounds since he got here. I mean, I can't wait to see this guy play this season. And just, you know, the St. Francis guys, you look at them, and uh, uh, Jason and EJ, and you're like, how in the heck did they end up at St. Francis? And no disrespect to St. Francis, but it's like, why are these guys not playing at a higher level and and, and different guys like that? Amari and Brown that transferred from Georgia Tech tied some of Calvin Johnson's freshman records. And, and uh, we weren't just going out to find the – uh, I think we signed seven transfers, the seven most talented, big time, power five guys we could. It was, you know, find the guys that fit what we need, what are our needs. And, and I came in day one and it was like, here are three positions that are immediate needs for us right now. How do we go combat that? Let's find some other guys to complement it. And then we were also able to add some high school and a junior college job in the meantime as well, where, you know, Everybody talks about every coach on signing day gets up there and says, oh, we filled our needs, you know, we filled our right. needs. And that's, that's kind of cliche, but we really did in a lot of ways that we knew what we needed coming into December. We figured that out pretty quickly and then we targeted, okay, here's the guys that we need to go after and let's go get them. And we did. So you mentioned you know, in a situation where you didn't have a defense coordinator at first. You hired Mike Bobo originally as the offensive coordinator. He then goes to Auburn. So then you hire Marcus Satterfield. How how do you kind of figure out what you are offensively now? Do, do you still need to see them in spring practice before you figure? Because Marcus worked with Matt Rule, and I know the, those teams at Temple and at Baylor, you couldn't kind of pigeonhole what their offense was. It sort of 
morphed with the players. Right. So how, how do you guys figure that out? Yeah, I think it was important for me with all three coordinators, Marcus, Clayton Oyd, and then Pete Limbo on special teams to, you know, have some guys that were flexible, had the ability to be multiple to, to fit, you know, you know this, that whatever your offense is, I mean, you better fit it to the strengths of your players and, and right. be able to adjust. And, you know, with what they did at Baylor and Temple when Marcus was with Matt Rule, but then also you look at what Marcus learned this past season from uh, Joe Brady when he was with the Panthers. I think he'll be the first to tell you he's grown a lot as a coach in the last year. So it didn't take me long to figure out that we had a, some pretty good guy, pretty good depth and, and, and physicality and size on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, you've got a 1,000-yard rusher coming back in Kevin Harris. you got Marshawn Lloyd and, and some other running backs that we're really, really excited about. Uh, we got a quarterback that's got some athleticism and can run. Uh, so we want to build around our strengths and then be able to, you know, bring every position up along with that and continue to improve tight end, wide receiver, all of it. So I think we've got an offense that uh, certainly will, will, will be flexible from a system standpoint and multiple, but you won't really – excuse me, you won't really know until we get out there, you know, for spring practice, particularly with some of the, the newness of, of guys that are out here, a new quarterback, two new receivers. And, and uh, let's see, you know, who our best playmakers are and let's, let's go find a way to get them the ball. So I, I remember when, when your, your last boss, Lincoln Riley, when he got hired as the OC at Oklahoma, he, he was joking about every time he went out in public, people would come up to him and say, you, you know, we run the ball here, right, coach? I know you're an airy guy, but you know, we run the ball here. And then, it, you know, if you've watched, Oklahoma's offense at all <laughs> under Lincoln Riley, they run the ball a ton. They run counter tray within within the air raid, which which you don't see very often. But you know, how much did you take from that? Because that offense, depending on on who the people were, did change. The the Kyler Murray offense was not the Jalen Hurts offense was not the Spencer Rattler offense. Yeah, no, exactly right. It's funny you said that before I started this with you. I was in meeting with the offensive staff and we were just talking about how in the three years I was at Oklahoma, just how it was different with Kyler, Jalen and Spencer and kind of what we did from a schematic standpoint. But that's probably the biggest thing I learned. I learned a lot, but just from an offensive standpoint is, is how good we were running the football. I still remember when I, when I uh, was deciding between leaving Georgia and going to Oklahoma, making that decision, I'll never forget talking to Mel Tucker, our defensive coordinator at the time, who's at Michigan State, obviously. And we had just played Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, and I was wrestling with, do I make this move or not? And I remember Mel telling me, he's like, bro, <laughs> you need to go. Like, what they're doing offensively is on the cutting edge. Like, I've never seen some of the stuff that they do. And once you get into it, Lincoln's so creative. We all know that. But I think the biggest thing is just because we ran the ball so well – it opened up so much more in the passing game off of play action. I mean, so many big yeah. plays, it just came off. We were running the ball so well that you're able to hit big plays downfield to, you know, Hollywood Brown or C.D. Lamb or yeah. Marvin Mims and Austin Stogner this year and all that. So just seeing how we were able to run the ball so efficiently and then marry up play action with that and the big plays it created was a great, you know, you knew that, but then to be able to see it within that offense uh, in the Big 12 was pretty eye-opening for me. Well, it's it's terrifying. If you're going to gain six yards of carry, you're not putting that. You're not leaving that extra guy out of the box. You're put bringing him down unless your your corners are unbelievable. You can't cover everybody. And and you know that's the part I think everybody assumes it's all RPOs and all that. But but you did a lot of pure play action there, which isn't that different than than what was being run in the 80s and 90s. 
it's just dressed up differently and run at a little higher tempo. Exactly. Exactly right. I mean, you nailed it. Um, you know, not to dive in too much to Lincoln and that offense and secrets and things like that, but you're exactly right. I mean, tempo and, and being able to mix up the tempo, but just the physicality of running the football. And Lincoln, would, if he was being honest, would probably tell you, like, he enjoys game planning the run game more than maybe the passing game. And, and I would argue that we probably did more in the running game. I know we did from a schematic standpoint, running the football than we did when I was at Georgia. And we had Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle my last year, my, my, my two years there. Well, when um, you have five, five, five star offensive linemen and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, you don't have to get too, too yeah, cute. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, and, and we had really good, I mean, my first year at Oklahoma, all five of those offensive linemen are going to end up playing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Once Creed Humphrey gets once drafted. Creed goes, yep. You know, so we had a dominant offensive line my first year there and then really good running backs. But but you're right, just that ability to run the football in, in that league and then throw play action off of it and then to have, you know, phenomenal quarterbacks, this, you know, all those years as well. It was uh, it was certainly fun to be part of. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You go into a quarterback competition now where you've got uh, Luke Doty, who is a you know, high-profile recruit who's been on campus, uh, and then you've got a couple of new guys. You, you've got your, your, your transfer from St. Francis and then a, and a freshman who just walked on campus with his guitar. So you know, how, how, do you, how do you handle that? In, in your first, you know, your first quarterback competition, I know, I know Lincoln taught you to say, well, it's, it's not over till it's over and, and, and not, not to name a starter till six days before the, the season opener. But aside from that, how do you, how do you handle the room? How do you handle reps and, and just figuring out who that guy is who can lead your offense? Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. I still remember my first year at Oklahoma and, and uh, you know, it was a week and a half out and we had a name Collar the starter. And I remember Lincoln saying, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think this number one is pretty dang good. Um, so, but uh, no, I, I, we're all about competition. I mean, that's a, a, a core value of ours is, is competition and everything that we do in, in this building and outside this building. And I'm excited about Luke. I mean, he's a guy that has all the right qualities. He's such a good athlete. He can run. I mean, watching and seeing what he's doing in the weight room uh, already just this offseason. He's a guy that has those natural leadership qualities and is a really talented quarterback and a great young man. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And then, you know, to get these other guys out there as well, the other guys in that competition and get out there and compete and, and see where we are at that position. So it'll be uh, it'll be a fun spring and, and that quarterback position is no different than, than any of those other positions. We've got competition everywhere and cannot wait to get out there next month and, and uh, get to work with them. Speaking of competition, uh, it's competition in the coaching world. You're, you guys are always trying to to get to to where you want to be, and uh, this is uh, for you, I imagine, a pinnacle situation of the first head coaching job, and you're you're in the SEC. But you said something when uh, you did a really good Q and A with with Josh Kendall, our beat writer here at the Athletic, and you said that, that there's kind of a, an edge to you, a chip on your shoulder, because 
you went into the business worried that people would think because Frank Beamer is your dad that you would be handed things and that, that you've that's been kind of a driving force. What What is that like in that? Because people will say, oh, well, you know, that's that's how you get those jobs. But when you're actually in it and there's people around going and you can look them in the eye and know they're saying, I think you're here because of that. How do you prove them wrong? Uh, just the work ethic and the mentality and how you go about each and every day. And, and I can't control what people think, but, you know, probably I go back to, you know, high school or elementary school when my dad was the head coach at Murray State or Virginia Tech. And probably some people thought that the only reason I was the, you know, starting left fielder on the Blacksburg High baseball team was because my dad was the head coach across town at Virginia Tech or, or whatever it might be. And and it was really important for me when I, uh, no disrespect to any son of a coach that has ever gone right into working for his dad because it was a great right. For me, but it was really important to me when I got done playing at Virginia Tech in 1999. The last thing I wanted to do was just go be a GA for my dad and start coaching at Virginia Tech. I, I, I needed to get out and make my own name, be trying to develop a reputation of you know Shane Beamer and not just Frank Beamer's son. And but even then, like when I went to Georgia Tech in 2000 as a graduate assistant, I'm sure people thought the only reason I'm you know. The, at that time, you didn't have like all these analysts and quality control yeah. guys. You for, had a, for noted easy guy to work for, George O'Leary. <laughs> well, that's that's another story for another show. Um, <laughs> you know, but at the time, it was me and uh, John Donovan was the that's at Washington, and then Jeff yep. Collins. They were the GAs, and they like created a GA spot for me to get my foot in the door. So I knew people thought the only reason he's getting that job is because his dad's the coach, and and. I'm not naive enough to think that if my dad hadn't coached with Ralph Friedgen at the Citadel and, and Murray State that I would have gotten a job. I mean, obviously, I had an end. Dave Breen was the athletic director yep. of the Tech. He came from Virginia Tech. But it was important to me that once I got my foot in the door that I would never let anybody ever say that the only reason I got that job was because of my last name. And, and you know this. Like, once you – your last name may get your foot in the door, but you, you got to keep it there. Like, yeah. I like to think that I wouldn't have been able to progress – without that but without that work ethic mentality well, but, but i haven't i haven't lost that edge and i hope i never that as i sit here in this chair right now that people are doubting me and, and i'm a self-starter i don't need people to motivate me to go do this job well but that obviously adds a little bit of uh, fuel to the fire maybe thinking that thinking that and, and having that mentality yeah. well so I, th there's another guy who actually kind of grew up around where you're sitting, Jeff Scott, who's the, the head coach at USF now, his dad, Brad, was the head coach of South Carolina. And he always felt that way too. And, and this is a guy who very early in his career took on a high school program that had just started in, in Blythewood right near you and, and won a state title uh, almost right out of the gate. And, and I'm like, dude, don't you think at that point you're not worried about that anymore? He's like, no, nah, you just never stop. <laughs> it, it always no. is in the back of your mind. No, there's no question. Always will be. And, and, uh, you know, just whatever motivates you, I'll find that. And and I think we got a lot of guys on this staff and on this team too that hopefully had that mentality, a little chip on their shoulder, and and um, uh, for that work ethic to prove people wrong and, and things like that as well. And to me, that's a lot like you know, this football program is as a whole and that blue collar mentality. And and never, and I think probably more than anything, I'm just saying you never you never get complacent and you're yeah. always working and always trying to grow and and uh, whatever it takes to do that, you do. Well, and, and 
especially in the position you guys are now as a program where you're trying to bounce back. I, I would think that that mentality, that type of player is the kind of player you need to get where you want to go in terms yeah. of building that culture you want. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have those guys that have that. And, uh, you know, I'll, the guy hasn't played a snap for us, but uh, uh, Debo, our freshman mm-hmm. transfer from yep. uh, from Delaware. I mean, the first the first day he shows up on campus, it's like a voluntary week in the weight room. He doesn't have to be in there. And I walk into my family's not here yet. And I'm a morning person anyway. So I walk in the building that day at 545 a.m. And he like he's already in the weight room getting a voluntary lift in on his first day. And nice. he hasn't changed at all. I think we got a lot of guys like that that, you know, they're tired of hearing about what they can't do and uh, are eager to get out there and compete. And, and you certainly need those kind of guys uh, in that building, uh, in the building. I saw that firsthand with my dad at Virginia Tech and, and, and then different places that I've been as well. That Those, those guys are certainly uh, a critical, you know, going forward for you, those type of, that type of mentality. South Carolina, good history with dudes named Debo. Now, this one spells his name differently than, than yes, Debo Samuel. Two, one E and two E's. Yes, absolutely. Good, good history. You also got a guy named Omega, which is awesome, from the same high school as Jadavian Clowney and Stephon Gilmore, South Point yes. and Rock Hill. So I think he's going to end up – I think he's going to end up being a great interview for you. He, uh, I love telling this story as I got hired and he, he called me, he was committed to us and he FaceTimed me wanting to know if I was going to hire Joe Brady as my offensive coordinator. Sure. I don't know if it's going to happen. So then he flat out told uh, Marcus Satterfield when Marcus got the job, Marcus reached out to him and, Omega told him, he said, uh, you know, I really wanted us to hire Joe Brady, but I, I guess I'll, I guess you'll do. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. I like his that is, I think I think you got I like the stones on this dude. <laughs> yeah. that, that he's he's you know, forget the alpha. He is he is the Omega. Ome- <laughs> Omega Blake is this guy's name. So remember, remember the name. Uh and honestly, Ray Tanner might need to watch out because Omega yeah. sounds like a future AD more yeah. than anything else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, how exciting is this? That this is, you've got your team. You've, you've been in this business a long time. This is your team. These are your guys. You get to see in about a month what they are. How, how exciting is that? Super. Like every, I'm having so much fun. I mean, there's a lot that comes across my desk and a lot on my plate, but I mean, literally I'm, I'm, I'm living in a condo like a hundred yards from this interview. So I really don't do much. Um, my family's not here, but I just, I'm so excited every day when I wake up to come into this facility and, and get to work and be around these guys. It's a great group of kids in the building. I love the staff we've been able to put together. Uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Like every day when I walk in my office and it says Shane Beamer, head football coach, and I look outside my window at williams Bryce Stadium. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, how fortunate am I to be in this role? But like any coach, you want to eventually get out on the field and have a chance to, to work with the guys. And, and I can't wait. Like, spring practice can't get, can't get here soon enough. Love what they're doing in the weight room. Love being around them in the building. But, you know, I'm so eager to get out there on the field here next month. I'm uh, really looking forward to that. All right. It's a bunch of virtual visits till then. So we'll let you get your background back up. But Shane Beamer, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Look forward to doing it again soon.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.